Welcome to MCC from the Capitol, a podcast by the Missouri Catholic Conference. In this episode, the church's role in immigration. We don't get to decide who we serve and who we don't. We don't get to decide who is worthy and who isn't. We invite you to listen along as we chat with experts about public policy issues from a Catholic perspective. We hope you enjoy this episode of MCC from the Capitol. Welcome to the Missouri Catholic Conference from the Capitol Podcast, where we take a deeper look at the social and political issues facing Missouri in the Catholic Church and how those issues will impact public policy. I'm Heather Buchter, the Communications Director for the MCC. Catholic social teaching tells us it is our duty to welcome the foreigner out of charity and respect for the dignity and rights of the human person. That's the first duty for the faithful. The Catholic Catechism, as referenced in paragraph 2241, shows us the second duty is to secure one's border and enforce the law for the sake of the common good. According to the Center for Immigration Studies, the immigrant population in the U.S. hit 47 million in April of 2022. The foreign-born population, both legal and illegal, is the largest number recorded in any U.S. government survey or census. The debate around immigration is polarizing, and at the center of it, those trying to make a better life for themselves, and the Catholic Church trying to help those people in that journey. Marie Kenyon, attorney and director of the Peace and Justice Commission for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, is with us today to talk more about the Church's stance on immigration. So thank you for joining us, Marie. Thank you for having me. Now, I mentioned you're the director of the Peace and Justice Commission now, but prior to that, you worked on the Catholic Immigration Law District and Immigration Task Force. Can you tell us about those efforts? Sure. So I have only held this position since 2015. In 1987, I founded under Archbishop May the Catholic Legal Assistance Ministry. And what that is, it's a free legal clinic for poor people throughout the Archdiocese of St. Louis primarily specializing in victims of domestic violence and their children, immigrants, those with and without status, homeless and veterans. And the reason that we started it was because the only people that are entitled to a free lawyer under the Constitution are people who have been accused of a crime. So if you need a lawyer for anything else, if you're a domestic violence victim and you're trying to get out of an abusive relationship, so you need an order of protection, or if you're a grandmother taking care of your grandchild and you need a guardianship, or if you are an immigrant and you are trying to bring a family member over to join you. If you don't have money, normally you don't have a lawyer. But in 1987, Archbishop May thought it was important that people on the margins, people in need, have a voice in the courtroom. And so he allowed me to start the Catholic Legal Assistance Ministry, which includes the Catholic Immigration Law Project. Um, And it's going on till today. The office is expanded. There's seven lawyers now, and they are housed at St. Louis University Law School, which has given the ministry free space since 1999. But what happened to me was after... um, the incidents in Ferguson in 2014, Archbishop Carlson felt like we really need to have 
more of a, a presence in the community on a multitude of issues and some of the issues concerning why the young people in Ferguson felt like there was no choice but to go out into the streets. And so he asked me to come and start this Peace and Justice Commission that now is the Office of um, Peace and Justice, and it also includes the Office of Racial Harmony. I think Joyce Jones from that office has had done a podcast with you guys. And so that's the work that I've been doing since 2015. The Immigration Task Force is one of the committees under my office. And what we do is we mobilize all of the ministries and parishes working with immigrants. We get together once a month just to touch base, to network, to share resources, best practices. And then we also do education programs and advocacy work on this issue. Very good. So from reading the Catholic Catechism and just previous statements on immigration from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, you know, there's a way to support immigrants and migrants, the people, but also support the law when it comes to immigration. Can you explain how the Catholic organizations at the border and even here in Missouri are doing that? Sure. Um, And I have experience with both because... Last summer and this summer, we have sent a delegation to work at the Catholic Charities Shelter in Laredo, Texas. So Laredo is um, on the border. Laredo is a mission diocese. It used to be part of the San Antonio Diocese, and it became its own diocese about 20 years ago. So it's very small. And unlike our Catholic Charities that's been around for over 100 years in St. Louis, this Catholic Charities has been around 20 years. And they have very few resources, very few employees. So we have sent people down um, from the diocese. A lot of religious sisters have gone down to Laredo to help in their shelter. And what happens there is people just come to our doors. So there's this all kinds of stories about, you know, the church is helping them cross and providing them incentives to cross. And none of that is true. None of that is true. How we get clients to the shelter at the border is they find us. They either are dropped off after they've been released from detention from jail Once they cross over, they get picked up by the Border Patrol, and after they get released, the Border Patrol will drop them off, or they just find their ways to us. And we are not in a position to say no. We don't get to decide who we serve and who we don't. We don't get to decide who is worthy and who isn't. I mean, if you think about Matthew 25. Jesus is so clear about, I was hungry and you fed me. He didn't say, I was hungry and I had the right paperwork and I spoke the right language and then you fed me. He said, I was hungry and you fed me. And that's all they do. The people come, they feed them, they give them a chance to take a shower, they give them clean clothes, because a lot of the time they've been traveling in their clothes. Um, When you go into detention, they take your belt, they take your shoelaces. So we'll give them belts and shoelaces, and most importantly, rosaries. So sadly, when you cross the border, they take your rosaries. And for a lot of people, I mean, 
when when you've lost everything, when you've lost your country, when you've lost your family, when you've lost your belongings, because people crossing don't come with luggage. They come with what they can carry on their back. And a lot of times it's just what they're wearing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But they take the rosaries. And so we give them rosaries. And I will tell you, that is the thing that we run out of most often. What's the reaction when they receive the rosary that you give them? Oh, they get tears in their eyes, you know, and there's a special devotion to the Blessed Mother. If you go to the shelter, there's a lot of pictures and statues of the Blessed Mother, especially Our Lady of Guadalupe. Their faith is a big part of what, you know, what we're able to do. And we don't help them because they're Catholic. Of course, we help them because we're Catholic. What we're doing in St. Louis is very similar. So when new arrivals come, however they get here, whether they have documents, whether they don't have documents, in our diocese, we have several agencies that help them to find housing, to learn English, to enroll their kids in school, to get basic supplies, to provide legal representation. And most of our clients at our Catholic Charities local agencies come from Catholic parishes. So we have 11 parishes in our diocese that have Mass in Spanish. We also have Mass in six other languages in our diocese. We're, We're a church of immigrants. When people say, well, why is the Catholic Church so involved and why are the bishops so outspoken on the system as it's set up right now isn't working is because they have to deal with the reality. People come to the church. This is what they know. And that's the nice thing about being a universal church, whatever country you're coming from. (laughs) Right. Whatever country you're coming from, you know. So we actually, um, our diocese has just started a personal parish for the African Catholics. You know, Africa now is the hotbed of Catholicism. That's where we're seeing the most vocations. And that's where the large percentage of the population is Catholics. And we also see it in Missouri with the number of African priests who are coming and working in our churches. I know the Springfield Diocese especially, Bishop Rice has quite a few Africans there. Bishop Rice, I mean, his main mass at the cathedral on Sundays is in Vietnamese. The Diocese of Jefferson City has a fabulous refugee program. So the Catholic bishops are one of the agencies that are allowed to relocate and serve refugees as they come into the country. And I was just actually up in Columbia last week speaking at the Newman Center there. And the beautiful thing about that is the parishes up there have adopted these refugee families and just help them find housing. And this is how you open a bank account. And this is how you get a job. And this is how you speak English. And Kansas City Diocese, too, has fabulous outreach to those on the margins. There's a fairly large Hispanic population in Kansas City, and the church is one of the primary providers because these are our people. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things I don't know if folks have heard about, but there's this administrative order called Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And this is something that came in the Obama administration where if you came to the country when you were under 16, so meaning your parents bought you, there's some other qualifications. You're in school, you've never been in trouble, but you are allowed to apply for DACA. And DACA will allow you to get a driver's license, and get a work permit. It is not a path to citizenship. So you can't vote, you can't become a citizen, but it's a way for you to be a part of society. You have to renew it every two years. So I was the managing attorney at the Catholic Immigration Law Project when this came into effect in 2013. And that first year, we did about 130 cases. Almost 90% of them were Catholic school kids, kids wow. who were or had been in Catholic school. So when we talk about immigrants, I mean, these are these are the people that sit next to us in mass, who we give the sign of peace to, who go to communion, who our kids are with in school. So I think that's one of the reasons that the bishops have really said you know, we have to make this, caring for the immigrants, we have to make this a priority. The immigrant population in our state is very small. I think 6% of oh, wow. Missourians are immigrants. And that's the other thing that I think it's important that people know, because you're hearing all this stuff about, well, there's this huge influx and people are coming in. So I think, did you say there's about 45 million immigrants mm-hmm. right now in the United States? Mm-hmm. Well, there's 330 million people in the United States. So immigrants only make up 14%. So we're not talking about you know, 50% of our population are immigrants. They're not. We're getting an influx of folks right now. It's still a relatively small percentage of the population. And a lot of them looking for a better life. I mean, that's why they're coming. All of them, all of them, all of them. Nobody, nobody wants to leave their home. Nobody wants to leave their home. You leave your home because you feel like you have no choice because you can't feed your family. You can't raise your family safely. You just think it's, and and that's what you see. Even the people who come over by themselves, they send money back to their family. It's all about the family. I've never seen anybody who comes, all the hundreds of clients that we've represented in immigration cases, nobody, nobody says, oh, I'm here because I want to get rich. It's always, I want to, you know, take care of my family, that we were in danger in our country. We have to, I want my, to raise my children in a place of peace, or there was no work. There was the drought. We had, I mean. COVID affected a lot too. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. And of yeah. course, you know, America, in regard to a lot of other countries, economically, we're doing pretty well. We need workers. And so they see that as an opportunity. Well, and also for safety. I mean, if you look at who's coming now, we're getting a lot of Syrians. We have Venezuelans, Venezuelans, Ukrainians are coming now. St. Louis, we just got um, another group of Ukrainians coming in. And nobody wants to leave their home country. How have um, 
Ukrainian and Afghan refugees, Syrian refugees. How has that impacted others who are waiting to get visas in the U.S.? It's it's two different systems. Gotcha. So the people who are coming in, the like the people that you mentioned, Ukrainians, um, Syrians, uh, who else we say Afghans, mm-hmm. right? They are coming as refugees, which means that they have been the UN has declared them a refugee. They are vetted in their home country, all the or to a third country. So a lot of the people that we're seeing now have been spending time in Germany. So they leave Afghanistan, they go to Germany, they get vetted, all the paperwork, whatever, and then eventually they make their way to the United States versus the people who are coming with no visas who are here asking for asylum. To get asylum, you have to be in the United States. So that's why people cross over and then they go to the Border Patrol and they ask for asylum. It's interesting because when when I was down there a couple of months ago this summer, it was not the usual suspects. I didn't see any Mexicans, honestly. Lots of people from Venezuela, Nicaragua, places where there's a lot of political turmoil. But then we also saw Haitians, and we saw people from Africa, and we saw people from Russia, and um, all kinds of different folks are down there. This topic's pretty controversial, but um, New York and Washington, D.C. also receiving a lot of these migrants Mm -hmm. arriving on buses from Texas and Arizona. Uh, The governor's vowing to continue sending them to these sanctuary cities. Would you say that we have a humanitarian crisis at our borders right now? I think there is a crisis because we don't have, like in Laredo, that they just don't have the resources. And so that's why Catholic Charities, we've been sending people down because as Catholics, again, People come to our doors asking for help. We can't say, no, we're not going to help you. That's not who we are. We've never done that. We don't do it. Our St. Vincent de Paul, our Catholic Charities Agencies, none of Catholic works ever say, well, we can only help you if you're worthy of our help. I mean, we are the people who go into the jail and minister to death row inmates. We don't say, oh, you're, you know, you did a bad thing, whatever. And it's the same thing. But part of the problem is what's going on in these countries, why people feel like they have no choice but to leave, and what can we as church do to promote peace in the world so they feel like they have no choice but to leave. Part of it is the immigration system as it is now is just broken. The legal system is broken. Everybody agrees, both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, it's not working. What they can't agree on, though, is what's the best solution. And so they do nothing. Like we really thought in 2013, almost 10 years ago, we were going to get good immigration reform legislation passed to make it a workable system. And it didn't pass, and nobody has worked on it since then, and that's been 10 years. Immigration law is a federal matter, so it has to be the federal government that works on this issue, and it's just been a stalemate. So that is a crisis. That's the crisis. What type of reform would the church like to see? The church would like to see that we don't just make it um, punitive, 
that we make it just. You know, one of the things that you talked about was the Catholic teaching on this. The first is people have the right to migrate, to take care of their families. Second, people have, uh, the country has a right to regulate its borders and to control immigration. Nobody, nobody is saying open borders. The bishops are not saying open borders. And I've heard all kinds of people saying the bishops are saying open borders. They absolutely are not. The last piece, which is very important, is they have to regulate their borders with justice and with mercy. And the way that it's set up now, if you want to bring a family member over from Mexico and a family member, you can only bring your parents and your children, your brothers and sisters, and that's it. So no cousins, no aunts and uncles, whatever. It has to be an immediate family member. There is a wait time for some of these cases of almost 20 years. Wow. 20 years. The lawyers in my old office right now are getting court dates. This is 22. They're getting court dates in 2024. And the other thing that people need to realize is all these people coming, which I told you percentage-wise is really not that many, but Mm -hmm. people coming now and they apply for asylum, most don't get it. Our In Missouri, our immigration court is in Kansas City. And the denial rate for asylum cases in that court is 80%. So even if you apply for asylum and you say there's a well-found fear of persecution, I'm afraid to go back to my home country and this is why, and you present evidence, 80% of the time the court is saying, I'm sorry, you don't meet the standard and you need to be deported. Why is that? It's just how it is. It's, you know, judges have complete discretion on this. Um, and that's just, I mean, the, so when, well, all these people are coming and applying for asylum, first of all, to do this by yourself, the application for asylum is about 15 pages. And to fill it out when you don't speak the language, when you don't have a legal background. So that is one of the reasons where they're denying it because the and there's nobody's entitled to a lawyer. So in St. Louis right now, we have less than 10 pro bono immigration lawyers. And so the chances of us being able to take your case, assuming we've got five people calling, we can take one of those cases. And even with a lawyer, the acceptance rate, I mean, it's it's not high at all. You have a way better chance of being denied. Something that I think people forget, we almost dehumanize people who are migrating to our country. As a Catholic, What is your advice to the people who may be seeing them more as a number compared to the human? Like you mentioned, you were at the border and worked with these people firsthand, have helped on a daily basis. Describe the average migrant coming to the U.S. Well, the people that we saw in Laredo and that we see up here, I mean, it's mainly families, mom and dad and kids. Lots of kids. And um, it's people who, again, have made the decision to make a perilous journey. I mean, these are dangerous journeys. If you look at the number of people who have been killed, 
even drowned just crossing the Rio Grande, you know. Um, they're dangerous journeys, but they feel like they have no choice but to better their lives. And you have to keep the, in the back of your mind, we are all made in the likeness and image of God. And if you think about that and you think about the inherent dignity in every human being and there but for the grace of God could have been me and me trying to bring my children and me having to flee my home. Every year, the Bishop of El Paso, the Bishop of Juarez, Mexico, and the Bishop of New Mexico have a mass at the border. And it's actually on the Rio Grande in the three countries. And the, they build like a little platform. And the bishops celebrate mass in the middle of the river. And there's people on one side of the border and people on the other side. And so we are bringing about 100 high school kids down to the mass this year. What a special opportunity for them. The thing that always strikes people is the sign of peace. We're during the sign of peace and we're all waving and, you know, to across the river to each other. Um, and that's the nice thing about being a universal church. You know, we really are all one body in Christ. So, Absolutely. Any final thoughts? No, thank you. Thank you for letting us have this conversation. And my information is, you know, I'm at Marie Kenyon at archstl.org. If anybody has any other questions or wants any other additional information, please let me know. And uh, thank you for this opportunity. And thank you for coming on. We appreciate the conversation and um, hope our listeners have enjoyed learning a thing or two as well. Thanks, Marie. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode from MCC from the Capitol. To hear more from the Missouri Catholic Conference, visit our website at mocatholic.org. That's mocatholic.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app.